Welcome to the Service Department News Podcast, where we discuss all the latest news and developments from across the service department, apart hotel and extended stay sectors. So today I'm speaking with Tom Walsh, CEO of Stay City Group. Tom, how has performance and occupancy varied in your properties across Europe since March, and which have been the strongest performing markets? Um, yeah, we've had, um, you know, very significant um, uh, differences in occupancy performance across the estate, with some of them, um, you know, being very full due to our pivoting towards more residential type, type stays, um, and others which are highly dependent on um, business travel and leisure travel um, suffering, you know, significantly. I think the at the top of the table are some of our buildings with larger format apartments, um, such as our oldest building in Dublin, Augustine Street. Um, one in Liverpool. Uh, the two, the two provincial French cities that we're in, Lyon and Marseille, have done quite well. Um, middle table, I guess the um, not zone one in London, but the other zones in London have been kind of mid table, and then dragging up the uh, the base of the the, t- the table really have been uh, v- uh, Venice and Disney in particular, and central London, our Covent Garden property. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've been the, the poorest performers. Mm-hmm. Okay. But a big wide range really from around 20% occupancy to close to 100. So a very, very big range there. Yeah, yeah. And you've recently announced a major refinancing um, package. Does this mean that your growth plans are more or less on target now? Or do you think there will be any delays? Um, I think we're watching this space really, George. The um, you know, we, we, we think in the long term that our growth plans are intact. So over the long term, we would still like to uh, forge ahead and, you know, get ourselves to 15,000 keys trading. I think without a, without a shadow of a doubt, that did rely on new investment into um, the, the service department of part hotel space. Um, we've seen this year no new investment, you know, to hit those targets, we would have had a continuous uh, stream of new signings this year, and that hasn't been the case. Um, we would also, I guess, um, expect, have expected to see a continuous uh, stream of signings next year. And I think the range of outcomes next year is very wide indeed. It could be you know, more like a normal year from mid-year onwards, or it could still be a very, um, you know, investors could still be very cagey and very conservative. So I think there's at least probably a year and a half of a, you know, a pause uh, into our growth plan, and I guess that will um, cause a one and a half year delay on the, you know, the buildings being built uh, at the very least. And um, what we don't really know yet is whether new opportunities in terms of uh, buildings that are already under construction, maybe, um, where the tenants are no longer considered to be um, reliable tenants. Um, because they haven't unfortunately survived the COVID crisis. Um, we're not sure whether opportunities will present under that heading yet, but um, still too many, you know, too, the, 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 the number of uh, potential outcomes is still very wide, I think. Mm-hmm. How did the process of dealing with investors and lenders differ through the pandemic com- compared with previously? Have their criteria um, fundamentally changed or, or, or are they evaluating businesses the same way and taking a longer view? Yeah, I mean, first, the, the obvious piece, George, is we couldn't get in a room with them. Um, you know, we couldn't press the flesh. And so maybe it took a little bit longer to, 
um, you know, to gain the trust of the various private equity um, opportunities that we were seeking. We, we appointed Investec Bank here in Dublin and their London office as well to assist us with the equity raise and um, the, the, the normal procedures were followed. So we did our management presentations to, you know, the long list of equity, uh, interested equity, private equity. And then we, um, we received, you know, quite a considerable number of term sheets, which was quite a good boost to the management team in State City. And then we, um, you know, we narrowed those down to a few preferred. And um, in the end, um, we, we went with ISIP for a few reasons. Um, have there, in broader, not just ISIP, but in terms of private equity in general, have their criteria changed? Well, yes, I think they all perceive greater amount of risk uh, than was pertaining prior to the COVID um, pandemic. And I'm sure we could, you know, sympathize with that view. Um, and as a broad brush, we, we saw a shift in terms of returns that private equity were seeking over, let's say, a five-year period um, from pre-COVID of two and a half times to three and a half times plus, let's say. So definitely their, um, the returns that they were seeking were uh, stronger in return for perceived greater risk. Um, we were out like early summer doing our management presentations uh, and it really was very, very unsure as to uh, the shape of the outcome of this year and also the recovery next year and the, and the, the coming years. Um, and while that's a little bit less uncertain now, um, I think, um, you know, there's still quite a big range in terms of, um, you know, how what will the recovery curve look like? Um, and I think the, the good news in very recent times has been the vaccines that are, you know, making their way through all the regulatory hurdles. Um, but, but like any, any of us would, would agree that there is quite a, a heightened degree of, of uncertainty out there now. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the way the service department sector has performed compared with other hospitality asset classes has increased its appeal to investors and perhaps brought it to the attention of some investors who may not have considered it before? It must have had, mustn't it? I think um, we, we were able to point to a 30-point RevPAR outperformance versus the hotels that we normally measure ourselves against in, in the, like, you know, in the uh, 15 or so cities that, or locations that we're operating in. Um, so we, we ourselves were able to point to a 30% outperformance versus the hotels in the same, loca in the same locations. Um, in China, the sector has really strongly outperformed and in North America, the sector has really strongly outperformed the, the you know, traditional hotel sector. Um, but in terms of real hard facts, um, I know it gave the potential suitors of state cities equity slice. And as you know, we sold around 13% of our equity. Um, um, you know, the, the suitors that we had were latching on to that outperformance for sure. And we're very interested in it. Um, a little bit more Circumstantially, I guess, um, there's a heightened degree of LinkedIn activity from people who would be traditional hotel investors looking for um, service department solutions or apart hotel solutions. Um, and, you know, so I think it's early days. I think everybody is super cautious. Um, but I would anticipate, um, certainly from the, the early knocks we're getting on our doors, that, um, you know, there, there would be a pivot away from 
hotels to some extent uh, in favour of part hotels and service departments. You touched earlier on how the relationship with ISIF came about. Do, do you think the fact that they are um, a sovereign fund will mean they have a different approach from, from other pri private equity in, uh, investors? Do you think they'd be a longer term partner than perhaps some others? This was what was really super um, you know, interesting to us in terms of uh, selecting ISIF um, rather than, and they selected us obviously, so it wasn't just a one way um, uh, you know, um, flip, uh, flow of information or one-way decision, but um, you know, our choices were private equity in the traditional sense or ISIF being a sovereign uh, fund. Um, while we, you know, while we'll, uh, their commercial terms were were very very sim were the same essentially as the other um, opportunities that we could we could have uh, harvested. I guess the um, the beauty for State City of ISIF. Um, there's a number of specific uh, advantages. One is, well, they are patient capital. We do see them as very long-term shareholders in Space City and very, very long-term partners. And in the, you know, in the agreements that we have with them, there are no milestones that we have to hit in terms of realization events or flotation events or lock, stock and barrel sales uh, of the company or anything like that. And that gives us the runway we need you know, to navigate this uncertain time and then to you know forge ahead with our longer term um, expansion plans. Um, private equity was looking for between three and five years from now having an event, and you know in the more bearish scenarios, um, even five years from now we'll be just uh, coming out, you know, getting back to 2019 uh, in, the, in the more bearish scenarios. So to try to conceive of uh, putting ourselves up for sale or um, raising new equity to replace the private equity that we took on in 2020. Um, you know, that would make us a little bit uncomfortable in the, okay, the good news will look after itself if there's a real bounce in the business, that'll look after itself. But in the more conservative, um, you know, views of the world, uh, that would make us a little bit uncomfortable. And I think there's also uh, a significant additional advantage for State City in that. Um, colloquially, we've heard about, you know, private equity, in the relationship with landlords, uh, if the if the platform is private equity owned, I think those those discussions with landlords through this pandemic have been quite fractious in many cases. Um, I think we're hearing already that landlords are um, will be very receptive to sovereign wealth fund participation in State City. So um, you know, I think there's those material, very very material uh, differences between say ISIF and uh, you know, um, London or New York private equity, let's say. Yeah, yeah. And finally, Tom, you, you've signed a property in London recently, the uh, the Middlesex Street uh, Park Hotel. How was the experience of getting that all done through the pandemic? Was it considerably different and more difficult than usual? Yeah, you know, it wasn't difficult. It was slow, I think. Um, we were due to sign that really just as the pandemic struck. Um, and as you probably know, we just signed it really only weeks ago. So there were, you know, very significant uh, additional, maybe eight months, seven months of delays. Um, um, why did it get done? I think it got done because both Stay City and the developer there, um, you know, felt that we each are the best option for each other in terms of uh, getting that deal done. So each of us had to, you know, share the risk of the recovery. Um, and the deal did change shape considerably 
uh, from the deal that we had agreed in February, March this year, after many months, maybe six months of negotiations already. So um, both the developer and us realized that um, us having that deal it will help our recovery. Um, and with Stay City's recent private equity, um, uh, sorry, ISIF investment, um, you know, we are a good, strong covenant uh, to have on board. And in return, then we were able to, you know, meet in the middle in terms of sharing the risk of the recovery um, in a way that allows the developer now to, to, to plow ahead and, and um, convert and add on to the building and so on. So um, very, very, you know, workman business, you know, business-like uh, discussions with, with the developer there. Um, and we're grateful for the patience they showed us. Um, and, you know, in turn, I think we'll make good partners for them for the long term. Yeah, great stuff. Tom, thanks very much for your time today. Yeah, great, George. Thanks for the opportunity. And um, uh, let's look forward to uh, hopefully uh, a faster recovery than some of us have been dreaming of. Indeed. Nice to see you again, George. All the best. Cheers. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Service Department News Podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with all the latest industry news, head over to servicedepartmentnews.com and sign up to our twice-weekly newsletter. Service Department News is part of the International Hospitality Media Portfolio.